podcast that covers the topics that matter most to the promotional products industry. I'm CJ Mitica, Editor-in-Chief of ASI Media, and today we're celebrating Christmas in July. No, it's not Prime Day, but rather the Counselor State of the Industry. I'm joined by Nate Kuzma, ASI Senior Executive Director of Research and Corporate Marketing, and Sarah Lavendusky, Executive Editor of Digital Content, to discuss the biggest trends and most surprising findings in our annual report. So before we start, uh, Sarah, I have to confess, um, I brought you on because I needed a buffer. I've been doing a lot of podcasts with Nate and we've been spending a lot of intimate time together and it, it's too much. I, I, I needed a, a third party, so th- thank you. I'm here for you. <laughs> I'm here, I'm here for you. Uh, no, no, we're actually, no, we're, we're talking about state of the industry. Uh, we we just released our print issue is coming out uh, in in the middle of July. In fact, you, you could have found it at the ASI show in Chicago. We're recording this actually before the show um, because Nate will be in Chicago and giving a, actually a keynote speech, Nate, right about about this about this very content. Inaugural keynote performance by me, but definitely not my first time. I'm talking about the SOI. <laughs> well, first and last keynote. So th- 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 thank you, Nate, for that for that one. <laughs> um, now, as always, um, our, our state, state of the industry is always our biggest issue of the year, our biggest uh, package of content. It's the, it's the info that's most looked forward to by the promotional products industry, and there's just a, a wealth of information and data, and you can find it right now as, a, as, as this podcast is released uh, on our, it'll be on our website, uh, statedindustry.com is the URL you can find it at. We'll be promoting it all over social media and all, all sorts of different places. So it will be impossible to miss. Um, but as part of the, as, you know, as part of the, the, the content, as part of the package, part of the issue, we like doing this, uh, this podcast as, as a supplement, as a way to sort of dive more into some of these topics that we cover in, in that issue. And so uh, we're, we're gonna talk about some of those things here, but really to start off with, I wanted to take a, a broad overall look. And Nate, we'll, we'll start with you since, you know, you are the person who, handles the, the the surveys, the research. What stood out to you in particular with this year's State of the Industry survey? Yeah, I mean, you know, when we did it in 2020, that was, you know, we released it in 2021 and 2020's numbers. That was kind of a crazy year. I mean, that's going to be the most, that's going to go down as literally one of the most um, insane years as far as data goes, right, that you can ever get. Um, oh, in fact, I still had PTSD from the fact that we, we we got the survey results in February and then the world went to hell a month later. <laughs> yeah, and then we had to get more survey. It, it was yes, it, it it was it was insane. I have PTSD from a lot about that year, but not the least about <laughs> the, the, this report. Um, really, what it comes what it, what it, what it came to me was not only how resilient the industry was, but how quickly it bounced back and how quickly it kind of bounced back. I don't want to say to normal. But it regained a lot of the footing that it had lost in terms of what products were hot, what markets were hot. A lot of, you know, a lot of what we had seen in the past, pre-COVID, right, rebounded and started to show its strengths this year. So, you know, a lot of a lot changed in 21. Obviously, you know, there were a lot more, a lot of different challenges than we had seen even during COVID, um, and certainly that we had not experienced before, before COVID hit in March of 20. So it's really just how quickly things are. are sort of snapped back um 2022 is going to be interesting for sure like i have no idea what to expect actually but i think my key takeaway from 21 was um just because things changed so dramatically during COVID doesn't mean that they were going to stay that way there what about you looking at the 2021 results that were just publishing and then knowing sort of where we are in 2022 Currently, where 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 do you where where do you see the industry and the, and the distributors that you've been talking to in the course of your reporting? Yeah, I mean, like Nate was saying, 2021 brought a slew of challenges that we hadn't really expected that were different from the COVID challenges of no business. I think now what we're seeing is business is coming, it's it's booming back. Like people are really enthusiastic about being on the other side of COVID and starting to buy again, and they're excited about that. The problem is that now the supply chain can't keep up. And that's a big problem. That's keeping sales um, damped down. And that's posing a challenge to distributors and suppliers who really want to get back to business. 
and they're ready to go. They have buyers who are ready to go and they, they just can't get the sales done in the time that we're used to as the, as an industry, they just can't get stuff out the door quick enough um, to meet client demand. And it's just, the supply chain is not keeping up. Um, I did hear from distributors recently that, you know, things are improving slowly, incrementally, they are improving. I'm hoping that that continues through the rest of this year, but they're also ready for another big slowdown if that happens. They're they're a little bit nervous about that. But yeah, it's just a slew of challenges in the supply chain that we hadn't really been anticipating, I think, and that's that's keeping numbers down still. Yeah, that ties into the theme that we sort of presented the, the uh, SOI issue with this idea that there's a lot of optimism, um, a lot of encouraging signs with sales and orders and what distributors are seeing with business, but it comes with um, a healthy dose of challenges, many of which we're going to talk, talk about from or from order errors and delays to staffing issues. Supply chain obviously is is still still very big. Um, and, and so there's just a lot of a lot of headwinds that they're confronting. Right now, it doesn't mean we're not going to we're not going to get back to that recovery, back to that those 2019 levels, and we can talk about that. Um, it's just going to take some extra work to to get there for sure. Mm-hmm. So we're going to dive into some of the some of the data here. And th- these are findings that are in um, in our again the the print issue of Counselor, which is out out now, and it's also going to be available um, online. You can find find it online on our website. All this data is available. And so even as we talk through this, um, you can find the articles for to 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 look at and 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 spend some time uh, sort of you know examining and unpack what what they mean. Um, the, the first thing I want to do is this sort of sales snapshot about um, where from our findings um, things were in 19, 20, and 21. And across the board, I think there's a very there's a very defined trend going on. So for our audio listeners here, um, we, we a, few, a few sales metrics, uh, median number of orders, 350 in 2019, 300 in 2020, 321 in 2021. So again, not at 2019 levels, but better than 2020. Profit margin, 36% in 2019, 33% in 2020, 34.8% in 2021. Average values of orders, same things from from nearly uh, 1250 to 931 back to $1,050. That's the average value of orders and median number of clients served. Same thing, 75 uh, clients in 2019, 60 in 2020, 65 in 2021. So all those metrics, I mean, it's, it's a pretty clear, clear trend where things were at, at a noticeable peak in 2019 and dropped in 2020. And then in 2021, um, sort of that that middle middle ground. So Nate, like when you looked at the at the data, like does this match your expectations about what what you expected with 2021? I had no idea what to expect, but like it made sense, right? So when you actually start thinking about it, the economy rebounded, and there were still challenges for sure, right? In 21, without a doubt. Uh, I mean, vaccines. If we, you know, it seems like vaccines have been out for so long, and you know, everything started to open up again. They didn't come back until they, they were not released until January of 21. And most, you know, it didn't hit one sort of like large scale distribution until deeper into the year. So like 21 was still met with a lot of challenges in terms of opening. So it's not surprising that it didn't bounce back all the way. Right. But again, there were no major shutdowns. You know, 20, there were five months where nothing happened. Literally, the only thing that our industry was selling was PPE. So the fact that it rebounded but not fully that's that that that's that makes sense to me um you know looking forward though to 22 the demand is there but the products aren't necessarily always there but the prices are going to be higher so you know that's where the 22 metrics looking forward again you know a few months out it's going to be it's going to be fascinating sarah you just wrote an article very recently about what distributors are seeing amid this talk of of a recession and is that impacting sales? So I think I think you already mentioned this a little bit, uh, but what were your findings in talking to this, this, these distributors about where things were, where things are now, and what they're expecting for perhaps the rest of the year? Yeah, they, um, so across the board pretty much, and this is top 40, this is, you know, one person um, businesses. 
they're saying that clients are clamoring for product. And usually they see in the summertime, they usually see a slowdown in demand because people are on vacation or whatever, you know, and then Labor Day hits and that's when they start to order for the fall and then the Q4 gifting. Um, this year, they said the summer has not slowed down with demand. They have had to try as best they can with the staffing challenges to ramp up to make sure that they can meet that demand. Um, clients are, they know that there's these, I mean, you can't, you can't not know that the economy is not looking good right now. I mean, the inflation number just came out yesterday, 9.1% in June, which is like a 40 year high, not good. Same in Canada. They're at a 30 or 40 year high in inflation. Everything costs more. So people are aware of that. And yet what I've heard is that customers have not pulled back yet in terms of their enthusiasm to buy promo, which is great for us. However, the, the issue again is that the supply chain has been very um, slow to keep up with that demand. So they're seeing gradual improvement, but I know that t-shirts, for example, pose a real challenge for um, finding inventory. So you have to go to multiple suppliers to get a specific shirt, and then each supplier is out of all mediums in that, in that style. And that really puts a damper on you know, the, the promotion that the client had hoped to get, and you have to keep managing those client expectations, which is, you know, it gets tiring. There's a certain burnout that comes with that and having to come back to clients and deliver bad news. So um, the rest of the year, they, they are, fingers crossed, they're hoping that things continue to improve. So they're, they're looking ahead and they're pretty optimistic about the supply chain. But, and I think this, this came out in our data too, that most are expecting the supply chain to not see real improvement until next year. Um, and I think that's probably safe to say at this point, but they are optimistic about the coming months and, and the supply chain to be able to gradually keep up with that client demand that they're still seeing. So, you know, in relation to that, um, with supply chain issues where where sales are, there's some pretty interesting data that we got from um, looking at order errors and delays. So the percentage of on-time orders from suppliers has been dropping every year since 2017. In 2017, it was 93%. Uh, last year, 2021, it was 83%. And same with er errors. So in 2018, the percentage of orders that were delivered without any errors from suppliers was at 89%. In 2021, it was at 84%. Now, you could look at those numbers and, and think, well, that's still four and five orders that are arriving on time and without any problems. You know, what's the big deal? But Sarah, I mean, for you reported on this for, for our SOI issue. Um, it is a big deal and definitely with distributors. What? Why is this causing so much um, concern and and angst and and headaches. Yeah, it's uh, this was uh, these are interesting conversations I had with distributors, and I, I think you know distributors generally are. What I found was that they're generally understanding about the challenges that suppliers are facing. We're going to talk about this, but particularly the staffing challenges that they have. There just aren't enough hands to to unload containers to you know, warehouse things, to pick and pack, to imprint, all that stuff. There just aren't enough people. And there aren't enough people in customer service to answer calls quickly and answer emails quickly. So what they're seeing is that they're, and they're, they're generally understanding about those challenges, but I think they're still frustrated that they're not getting quicker answers from suppliers. They're not, sometimes the, the mistake is then the onus is put on the distributor when before the supplier may have taken more ownership of it. So what they're seeing, especially last year, they were seeing a lot of late orders from suppliers and it was you know it would be from the supplier themselves it could have been from the courier company sometimes the supplier would get their items out on time and then stuff would just sit in a fedex distribution center somewhere for for days and that would make the product late even though the supplier was on time so distributors are just, are just frustrated about the the general lack of not only the staff but then the lack of what they said is the ownership that suppliers used to maybe take for orders that they haven't been taking and the onus has been put on the distributor to kind of you know then pay restocking fees if if not everything arrives on time for an event and then it's like you know there's no point even doing this promotion so then they're returning items and they're having to pay restocking fees out of their own pocket so it's a real concern when we're in such a, a time sensitive industry and so deadline driven and 
items are not arriving at events on time. Like that really, that really is a thorn in our, in our industry side. And it's, it's not sustainable. Um, and distributors just express a lot of frustration about where we are right now in terms of, of the supply chain and then suppliers, how they've been handling things. Well, so on that note, Sarah, is it all on suppliers? Like, are, are they, are they primarily, are they all to blame in this or is there blame to be spread around for this issue? Right. So I talked to suppliers too, and, and they said, look, you know, we are, we are really challenged with the staffing and it takes a long time to onboard people, especially in warehousing and production and customer service. It, it is a complex industry. It's not an overnight onboarding process. So um, it used to be that distributors were kind of, you know, submit their PO and the distributor would, or the supplier would take care of it. Things have changed and, and distributors have to babysit their orders a little more. Suppliers think, some of them said, you know, that's actually a, a good thing that distributors are taking a little bit more ownership of their order once it gets to us. It's not just dropping it in our lap and walking away. There's been a still, we have had this issue for a long time, incomplete um, POs. That's been a, a big issue. They have to keep going back to the distributor, asking for more information. Um, so suppliers say, look, we, you know, it does require a little bit more babysitting on both of our ends, but that's not necessarily a bad thing to take more ownership um, of each order. But I think for a long time, suppliers um, have been so used to distributors kind of, you know, putting it in their laps and distributors have been used to not having to babysit their orders. And so they've kind of adjusted to that. And now they're having to adjust back to a more um, hands-on approach. And that's been a bit of a, a challenge this past year. Yeah, for sure. And Nate, you've been very generous in sharing your data wisdom with me throughout throughout the years, especially when I'm when I'm looking for trends that aren't really there. But you you've always told me that at least three years to to define a trend. So when you look at this this data, we're going on four or five years now where it's been consistent declines year after year. What what do we make of that? It, it, you, you make of it that's a it's an endemic problem, right? I mean, you know, you we can put blame on the current, you know, hiring and, you know, situations that were, you know, exacerbated by COVID, right, mm -hmm. um, as part of the problem. But let's be clear about this, that this is not something that all of a sudden everything was unicorns and rainbows and then things all of a sudden fell off a cliff, right? Because that's not actually what happened. Things have been trending this direction. And what happened was you needed, you had a certain catalyst that came up, which caused everything to just sort of accelerate. And this time they were accelerate kind of in a downward momentum for some of these, especially when you look at things like, you know, on-time orders from suppliers or, you know, order accuracy. And what's really interesting here is that those numbers, those percentages are going down in a negative direction, while other metrics, such as percentage of orders that have a five-day turnaround time, right, or average yeah. order length, have actually gone in the opposite direction. You know, now people are saying, I don't need as many orders in five days, right? We don't need that rush, rush, rush job. Orders don't need to be done in an average of 10 days. Now they can take 12, 13, 14 days. So you would expect as those numbers have sort of moderated to be more quote unquote reasonable, the other numbers might have gone in a more positive direction, but that's not what happened. There's, it's an inverse relationship and it's damn peculiar. Yeah. So you know, you brought it up. Let's let's talk about it now. That th those uh, statistics, um, percentage of orders requiring five days or less turnaround. This is and this is what distributors reported in 2019. It was 37 percent, so more than one third of all orders. In 2021, 21 percent. Um, so that's one in five orders now with a five day or less turnaround. So that that's that's a big drop. Uh, average order turnaround times, and this is what suppliers reported. So in 2019, it was, oops, I went too far. There we go. 10 days for suppliers. 2020, 12 days. In 2021, 13 days. So there's been a definite shift in in the in the, the pace of that orders are being fulfilled. My question to both of you is this: Is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? What do we make of this? I think it's a okay. So I think that the fact that it's no longer as much of a rush industry as like you know what is uh you know was it just in time jit industry that you as it used to yeah. be i think as that's sort of mitigating itself right and people are maybe planning ahead or realizing that it can't be done tomorrow 
which is anti what we think about in our day-to-day -day lives anymore, right? That's actually a great thing. What's not a great thing, though, is that I don't know if it's all based on lack of staffing or training, or if there's a little bit of a, you know, maybe a little bit of complacency that's coming in, you know? Like, I don't know about you, but when I'm up against a really tight deadline, I am laser focused. I mean, laser focused. Yeah. But if I know I got something and I can do it anytime between now and the next two weeks, odds are I ain't getting to it now. <laughs> and I wonder if there's also some of that psychological component as well saying, we don't need to be as hyper-focused as we have been in the past. You know, and, and it's, it, it's, I don't exactly know how you go about proving that, but it's definitely a hypothesis I have for this because it's hard to make a lot of sense of it. Sarah, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I that as when I was reporting on this, it was the same thing. It was like, well, when I I showed them this data, and it was the same thing. It was like that's you know the only thing we can we can only speculate what this is what this is showing us. Um, at least for I mean, in 2020, I think you know there was just so many COVID challenges that were precluding companies from being able to fulfill orders at all. So I think that may show us why it dropped from from 2019. But I think in 2021, distributors, they were saying, you know, we're we're seeing more uh, from our, our clients. We're seeing them actually heed us when we say you have to order early. We don't know if you're going to be able to get this if you don't order early because of the supply chain. That may indicate um, the, the lower number. That may be indicative of that. So I, I think that I think it does have to do with educating uh, customers more and them actually heeding distributors who, frankly, would like this to not be a just-in-time industry. Um, mm -hmm. Companies want people to put more thought into their promo products. Like um, one of the distributors I talked to said, is it really a great idea to have an idea for a, for tote bags on Monday and get them by Friday? Like that, that's not really what this should be about. It should be about marketing. It shouldn't be about just, just slapping a brand on something. It should be about a marketing campaign, the ideation that goes into that. There should be thought put into it. So it's actually a good thing that there are fewer rush orders. And then it looks like the same for suppliers. You know, it looks like distributors are coming to them a little bit more ahead of time instead of rushing the orders through with their with their end clients because the end clients know that if they don't order now, they're not going to get it in time. But the the question that I'm still kind of you know the thing that I found interesting about this was 2021 was so uncertain and we didn't know like an event may you know was like not going to happen and then oh it is going to happen and so i thought maybe there would have been because of that uncertainty there would have been actually at, maybe not at 2019 levels but maybe around the same as 2020 a little bit higher there would have been more rush orders because people were then putting on events kind of at the last minute when they thought they wouldn't have to but or wouldn't be able to i should say but it, it looks like that that perhaps end buyers are ordering a little earlier than they would have before because of supply chain challenges. You both make good good points. It's like with the state of the industry issue. It's not like a month before Nate. We're like, hey, we got this. We, we gotta get going. Let's go get the surveys out. We gotta turn this around quick. We're we're doing this, you know, months in advance. It, it's a it's a huge process. And so it, it makes sense that with client orders that he practicing that same sort of for you know foresight, long term planning that makes a lot of sense. But the the thing that I'm wondering about, and, and I, I think I think both both you probably agree, is that it's easy to convince clients now when there's when there is no recourse when when the when the re, when the alternative is hey you either order six months in advance or you don't get your product you don't get any product, but if if the supply chain does right itself to some degree, and then there's not not those same dire consequences, I think it's gonna be harder to con convince clients to. To exercise that same sort of pragmatic pragmatic planning when when they they don't they don't have they don't have to that they, they still would be able to get their get their products in that just in time fashion. Maybe, maybe. And, and the only reason I say that is there's a reason that they're called trends, right? Sure. So sometimes trends are hard to reverse, which is why for so many years we saw the increase in faster turnaround times being required, right? Like we saw. The percentage of orders that required five-day turnaround times increased year after year after year after year and then all of a sudden it stopped and you had this thing that happened which was called covid which caused those things to stop so now people are going to become 
maybe more accustomed to having to plan a little bit ahead. It's kind of weird. It's a weird psychological dynamic how that can happen. But trends don't normally bounce around. So when you see a multi-year trend, there's going to be a period of leveling off before it normally rebounds sharply. And I think you may see that happen here. That, I mean, that would be interesting. That And that would be great. I, I still find it hard to believe where people can separate it um, from the fact that Amazon can still deliver things in next day, right? Amazon Prime. So that to, to keep that dichotomy between that I can get everything else right now, but I'm not going to get my promo right right away. Like I, I find people, I find I find it hard for people to keep making that 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 distinction. Yeah, get it. So it'll, be, it'll be interesting to to see. It's, this is a this is a fascinating time in our in our industry, especially the way the way thing, things are are working. So it'll be interesting to see how how this shapes up. We talked about staffing a lot already, and so now I want to dive into that because it really is looming over a lot of what's. Um, affecting our industry and plaguing our industry right now. Um, and this is very this is very interesting. So we surveyed both distributors and suppliers about their staffing, asking many of the same questions about, you know, did you raise wages to attract employees or keep them? Did it, how long take you to fill positions? What about turnover? What are your concerns about finding and keeping workers? And across the board, suppliers are way higher. Than, than distributors and and not not just not just a, a little bit you know double triple in, in in some in some cases so I'll open up to both of you why is that the case D different business models right like that's really what it is I think that's the biggest thing it's you know a lot if you think about like for new employees on distributor sides right if they're back office that's one thing you might have to raise wages for them but if they're salespeople odds are yeah you might have to play with the commission structure a little bit here or there but it's going to be a little bit different um and you can keep some of them probably the same especially depending on what model they're in if they're on commission only or commission plus bonus or what have you suppliers on the other hand you're dealing with people who are very who have to be obviously they can be back office they can be doing the things like the marketing and such but those there's, there's not quite as much movement around them but if you're talking about you know jobs that are like going to be it focused or jobs that are production line focused, where there are not, especially when you talk about the, you know, the people who are really making the products, right? Who are the ones who are making, who are shipping, who are packaging the products. There's not that level of workforce that's still out there. So you have to compete with other companies now much more uh, ferociously than you have had in the past to do. So yeah, and, and the only way you're going to do that really is by wages and benefits. So I think that that's really what you're seeing with suppliers. Sarah, what, what did you hear from the suppliers that you talked to in the course of your reporting for State of the Industry? Yeah, um, they they said, yeah, there's not a supplier who's not challenged with this. Um, and it's it's for those very reasons. I mean, it's it's mostly where they're talking about is is customer service, but but also production, warehousing, those people who need to have physical hands um, actually, you know, picking and touching product. Um, they have to be trained on machinery. They have to be trained on imprinting. They have to unload containers. They have to pick and pack. They have to be on the site pretty much five days a week when other people are able to work from home. Um, you know, a lot of it's a lot of contract work sometimes. So there's hourly wages. It's all the things that right now with the changing nature of work it, are not as desirable as some other jobs. And so that is really it's like nate said there's a huge competition for people in that space who have the ability to to work those kinds of machines to be on the ground you know day in and day out especially i think with you know in 2021 we still were so concerned about workplace cleanliness and distancing and safety and so people were like they, they didn't feel like they were so comfortable with having to be on site amongst other people five days a week. So those jobs are just harder to not only find talent for and fill, but then keep employees working in them. And actually av after having trained them on the machinery and the process, actually keep them there working for the company was really challenging. And then now there's the trend of, you know, people will take a job and then just never show up on the first day and you never hear from them again. They're basically ghosting their employer. So that's been, uh, you know, that's another another challenge right now. So yeah, it's, it's su all, suppliers across the board are experiencing this very thing. There's no one immune to this. Yeah, I mean, just to build on that a little bit also, like, you know, what used to be a well-paid or a quote-unquote well-paying job, right, is no longer. Everything, if, if prices, if, if the CPI 
is going up by 9% year over year, as just happened, as, as Sarah mentioned yesterday. Well, unless you're now fighting for that extra 10% in your salary, or more, by the way, to cover everything, you're, you're now making less than you were last year. So you may we, we may think you have to raise wages and, you know, that's that's unfair to the employer, yada, 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 right? Here's the thing. If if the employer if the employer is raising their prices, it has to be passed down. This is not going all towards the running of the company or management, and that's sort of what we're seeing here. I mean, you know, starting salaries at a department store like Kohl's right now are fifteen, sixteen, seventeen dollars an hour up here in New Jersey, and there are manufacturing companies that are in promotional products in New Jersey. So you know, those jobs may not have even paid seventeen, eighteen dollars an hour pre-pandemic, right? Now you have to raise your wages above that because it is much more skilled labor than other jobs that may be paying more right now. I see, and I've seen the signs on, on the road, $20 an hour, starting salary, but, you know, sign on bonuses. And if I didn't enjoy working so much with both of you, I mean, I would, I would have left already for, for something better paying. But, you know, it's my coworkers that, that keep me here and, and, and the industry and the free, the free samples too. Let's, let's not kid ourselves. <laughs> But on the on the subject of prices, that that's a huge concern right now with suppliers. There, I mean, not distributors are raising their 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 rate wages too for for sure. But suppliers are feeling that much more distinctly, and that that played out with when we asked them about that. You know, how challenging is it to set prices due to labor costs? So ninety five percent thought it was challenging in in some form, and a third labeled it as very challenging. So to to your point, Nate. You, you have all, all these workers you're trying to either attract or keep. You have to pay them more. You have these supply chain costs and pressures add on on top of that. And it, this is making it very difficult for suppliers to, to run their business. This, I mean, something, <laughs> there used to be a time not long ago in our industry when suppliers would print catalogs in December and those prices would be good for the entirety of the year with almost which seems ludicrous right now, right? Um, those days are long, long gone. I mean, to get a number that says like 95% are saying it's tough, to, it's it's challenging to set prices due to labor costs, it might as, it, it might as well be a thousand percent, right? It's everybody, there's no, there's no exception there. And the other 5%, maybe click the wrong button. I mean, you know, it, it's, it's, it's really a staggering percentage because nothing's ever 95% when you're actually doing market research. Um, you could say, what color is the sky? You would get 10% of people saying, well, it's not really blue, that's the refractive, yada, yada, yada. And you have that, so it's, it's a big problem. And honestly, it's not a problem that is going to be going away anytime soon. What's, what's interesting about it though is the market the promotional products market used to react highly negative if the price of a pen went up by five cents and distributors and end buyers would recoil from that, raise holy hell, and then move to a different supplier. The market now is much more like everybody else. It's, it's, it's willing to absorb more of this and understand it, which is something that I don't know that I ever thought I would say. So we surveyed suppliers um, sorry, we surveyed distributors to find out who are the most reliable suppliers, and we and we we got a bunch of names. We included many of them in um, our state of the industry package. And Sarah, you 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 did the, re the reporting on on that, and you talked to these suppliers to find out what they're doing right and how are they combating these staff challenges or how how are they sort of overcoming them. So, what did you hear? How did suppliers circumvent a lot of these issues, and what 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 are they doing to sort of mitigate their staffing challenges? Yeah, I found a few common themes among the uh, suppliers I talked to. So we we did some research. We looked at highly rated suppliers. We had Nate help us out and we had distributors basically rate them on how they've done through the challenges of 2021. Um, and what I found were the common themes like, you know, they're they're very proactive about inventory. They're, they look ahead to the challenges, the split orders, 
Um, they look ahead to, you know, uh, having a, several distribution centers and making sure the inventory is pretty much evenly distributed across the center so that not, you know, a client in New Jersey isn't at uh, a disadvantage to somebody in the Southwest, say. Like, they're, they're really trying to be proactive about inventory. Um, they're forward booking containers. They are really serious about training their people. Like, they take that very seriously. Um, they have, you know very detailed in-depth training. They don't just throw them onto the job the first day. Um, they're also very, uh, de they defend their people. Like they don't, they don't appreciate when their customer service reps get berated for, for challenges that really, you know, are not their fault. Um, it, when it's inventory or slow containers or it's a courier company that made something late or whatever, they really uh, do back up their, their customer service reps. They're also, they try to be as communicative as possible with distributors at every step of the way. It does add touch points when you have to babysit your order, but suppliers, I think they're also empathetic with their distributors because they know like, look, the, the, the end client has to be kept happy. So they keep coming back to the distributor. So the distributor keeps coming back to us, frankly. So that, that relationship, you know, has to be healthy and we have to do what we can to make sure that that's healthy. So they're empathetic with distributors who are coming to them frustrated because they know there's an end buyer on the other side who's also frustrated so they try to take that in consideration as well that they also have to be empathetic with their their distributor clients they're also invested in technology and i think that's one of the things that we've been seeing in the industry in recent years is a move to automation sure. and having to have fewer hands physical hands that are that are taking care of these touch points but now it's really for suppliers to look at automation automated emails letting people know where their order is in the process so that distributors don't have to keep calling and emailing and bogging down those communication lines they have automated emails that tell them exactly where their order is if there is an issue they have automated emails so things like that that i think you know have pushed the the, the industry over into more technology so they're not so reliant on filling all these jobs with physical people the interesting duality where the Automation is, is allowing these companies to be more hands-off, but uh, and I'm not saying this was a hands-off industry before before the past couple of years. It's certainly not the case, but it's re-emphasized re, re the fact that that both distributors and suppliers need to be very on top on on top of things. Like you can't just you can't just wait and hope for the other party to to do to do their job. You you, you have to be invested in all parts of the of the order to ensure its success. Yeah, you have to be your own advocate. You really do. Yeah, and that, and, that's, and that's making things not easy. And I, we we and we've heard you certainly heard Sarah from a lot of distributors who are who are frustrated with with, with how how things are, are right now in terms of the that order oversight. But it's it's really just the sort of the cost of doing business right right now. Would you agree? Yeah, I I definitely agree. Uh, and I think. Yeah, it, it's it's been a bit of an adjustment to, um, you know, it was a little bit more hands off, but it's been an adjustment to have to start, you know, really, really being very detail oriented, have uh, a real clear eye about when you when you're putting in orders to a supplier and really knowing what they're communicating back to you and not just saying, sure, sure, push it through because you're in a rush. Yeah, it, it is the cost of doing business now. And, and that sometimes for a lot of distributors, especially when they're small, that means that means sacrificing on prospecting and and selling because they have to really be babysitting their orders a lot of the time. And it, yeah, that's the reality right now for sure. Definitely a topic we're gonna be talking about next next few years in terms of how distributors run run their business. So I'm sure we'll be diving into this often because it's it's really a it's really an inflection point for for many companies in the industry. So we're gonna move on to uh, products and markets. These are these are our big ticket items. These are the data that everybody looks forward to perusing for our, our annual report. Uh, so looking at the products here, Nate. I mean, this must be exciting to you. This looks refreshingly normal. Would Would you agree? <laughs> well, it was it was nice not to figure out what the percentage of um, unimprinted blank face masks <laughs> were relative to the you know, market penetration of printed face masking, what the profit <laughs> margins were on each and all of the other um, chaos that ensued in 2020. So yeah, having the top five being t-shirts, drinkware, polos, caps, and bags. Yeah, no, that was kind of refreshing to see. Um, did I did I anticipate that? Kind of, maybe, but maybe not in that necessary order, but it's not not overly surprising. I mean, even last year, t-shirts was, was the number one 
singular number one item, right? right? So it's always it's always big. So even even though I know that there's certainly supply chain issues out there regarding getting t-shirts, they're still getting into the market. I mean, you know, t-shirts accounted for well north of three billion dollars in sales last year. It's a lot. So that's 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 a lot of lot of one item that's going out there, and there's a lot of variety. Um, so yeah, no, it, it was certainly refreshing. And what you see though, once you get beyond those top five, is um, it really drops off. But you know, apparel is becoming bigger and bigger and bigger in our industry every year. Um, putting aside 2020, right? And I guess you could theoretically include face masks as apparel, but I won't because I I I just won't. Um, apparel, you know, makes up you know five of the three of the top five products. You know, the t-shirts, polo shirts, and headwear. Um, it's 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 really predominant, and you know, considering that there's, you know, I think one of the issues that you see here is that the supply chain issues are hitting obviously everywhere, but especially coming out of China, and it's not that China does not make a large amount of apparel because they certainly do, but there are are also other areas of the world where you can source apparel from. I think that that is also maybe helping out some of those categories. Yeah, that's a good point. There, a lot of apparel sourcing comes from Central America, which is much closer. That that helps ease, ease the um, sourcing pressures that people are feeling. Um, that the, the chart with all the data, there's some small numbers there that, that may be hard to read. You can again find this in our print issue of Council State of the Industry and online. You definitely want to take some time to to look at it in detail because there's a lot of numbers there. But you brought up apparel, Nate. So this this is very very interesting. Um, the combined apparel market share, and this includes caps and headwear, in 2019 it was 42.5%. In 2020, it dropped to 32.7%. And again, that's a a very vivid reflection of the rise of PPE and the lack of events. Well, in 2021, apparel went back up to 43.2%. So that's even higher than the numbers in in 2019. And so apparel is, is doing better than than it's ever ever done right now so exactly like you said Nate. i mean apparel just keeps getting stronger it does it is it's, and you know hard goods as we refer to this them in our industry anything other than apparel right that's you know they were bolstered last year by you know the the ppe type items right um but man they they have been hit especially hard by supply chain and that's evident in the numbers Sarah, you're working on our gift guide right now for our fall issue of Counselor. What are you, what are you hearing about the the types of products that people want? Is it is it a apparel hard goods split, or is it more a difference of the the value of the products, the maybe higher end products versus the the lower end give, giveaways that were often the, the lifeblood of the of the industries for so many years? It sounds like from from what I've heard, it sounds like it's it's still going to be this year high end items, stuff that is nice to be um, it, it's nice to be kitted and sent to individual homes. And so if you're going to spend, you know, this year, especially a lot of money to ship your items, you're not going to ship something cheap. You're going to you're going to probably you, you may have a smaller uh, gift order size of something but you'll send a nicer item because it's gonna, like you're not gonna spend $30 to ship a $5 item. But, you know, you're gonna spend more money on the item and it's gonna be $30 ship, but you're gonna have a nice item in that in that box for the recipient. So it, it sounds like high-end food, you know, food is always, uh, it's a, that's a perennial favor for people in Q4. High-end food, high-end tech products, speakers, Brand name items, uh, sustainable items, eco-friendly, those are all going to be trending this year. But I think there's still going to be, even with those economic headwinds we're talking about, I think people really do still see the ROI in sending high-end items as gifts. Nate, you, you did talk about, obviously, trends and how things happen over multiple years and cause this permanent shift. And and maybe, and Sarah, maybe you, you'll agree with this. Maybe we're seeing that with products where, um, not 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 to say that like this industry was always the the trinkets and trash right it's been it's been better than that but for years like so many times for events and for giveaways a lot of buyers just instantly gravitated to what can i get the the most product for my my budget and so they they would choose a a cheaper more value priced item that probably wasn't that didn't compare to some of the the better brand name offerings or the better higher end offerings in this industry so i, I wonder with with COVID, with with the shift to higher end product, that that made have, have buyers recalibrated 
their expectations and that even if they're going not for that that top line item, they're not going for the they're not going for whatever the cheapest thing that's available. They're they're conditioned now to to buy something nicer because that's what their clients and what their and what what the the end users are giving away to are expecting. Maybe, right? I, don't, <laughs> I mean, that's my answer. My answer is maybe, and I'm and I'm only stating that because we haven't had multiple year trends of this yet, so I don't know that to be true yet. And also, those cheap cheaper priced products are also going to rise in price as well. Sure. So right now, in, in some cases, you may not be able to get those products anyway in time for whatever you may need. So I think, you know, one of, and I, I hate to do this, you know, like, well, when this does this or when this does that, we always do that in our in our industry. And, you know, after this, whatever random point we pick is. But what I think you, is going to be very curious to see is when the supply chain gets back to normal and you can source product directly from China and it can be here in eight weeks, right? Because right now that's probably not over, that's optimistic, right? But let's just say you have a, you have a big event, you need 20,000 of these items, you can get them in eight weeks, guaranteed pretty much, right? Um, will that hold true? Will you like now get 3,000 of the more expensive ones or are you gonna gravitate to get the 20,000 of the, of the less expensive ones? I don't know yet. I think that 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 sort of chapter still has yet to be written. Yeah, to wrap up, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's it's going to be it's hard to predict. I think it would be nice to think that people will gravitate towards the higher end items. I but like you said, I do think that once the supply chain evens out and the the cheaper items are easier to get i i do think that we're going to see a bit of a resurgence of those so i think you're going to see more um large scale events where you're going to have these cheaper items that are you know a thousand at a time or a few thousand at a time they're meant as giveaways like you know you're not going for the 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 retail brand as a giveaway at, at an event you know and, the, and those sure. bags you're going for the cheaper items so as events come back even more and they're bigger I think we will see a resurgence in in the the cheaper hard goods. Okay, it'll be interesting to see, like so many things, where in these unprecedented times, where you know, are things going to revert to where they were? Or are they going to go on a completely different path? So it'll be interesting to see. For our last thing we want to co cover, as far as the data is concerned, we'll talk about markets. So again, this is another um, highly you know sought after uh, bit, of bit of data that we all offer, and. Looking at the looking at at the data from 2021, uh, so the biggest news I'd say education, which had been number one for years, but not in 2020, it was superseded by healthcare, uh, bounced back. So education became number one again, and to round out the top five, it was uh, healthcare at number two, manufacturing at number three, construction at number four, and retail at number five. Uh, Nate, start with you. What what jumped out at you when you looked at the the market data? So almost like what's not in the top five, right? Um, you know, we had some, you know, pre-COVID, you know, like same, you know, I'm going to get sick of saying that, but whatever. I don't have to say it for much longer. Um, there were some categories, some some industries that were very, very strong consistently, right? Um, one was finance. Um, that was always one of the leading industries, not number one or two, right? It, it, number one and number two has been education and healthcare for a better part of well well over a decade right um but like you know you, you you've seen sort of like a muddying once you get beyond the top five industries but everything's kind of really close right you know tech you know took a little bit of a hit finance and insurance took a little bit of a hit so what you're gonna kind of notice here is that the top two are gonna always be the same but then there's gonna be more movement and you know seeing things like you know construction and manufacturing and retail in the top five where in some cases there may, there may have been movement and retail being number five, that that's that's sort of exceptional right there. So it's, you, I hate to say this, but it's really important to be diversified because there's going to be swings in these industries, um, heavy, heavy, heavy swings. And what I think we saw last year was if you were heavily invested in in, in education, right, you might have got it. You might have had a really bad year in 2020. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's always good advice. It's very interesting that which 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 markets rebounded and which didn't. These were some interesting things that we saw. Um, hospitality, I 
know, I, I would have bet that we would see a, a market bounce back from it in 2021. That wasn't the case. It actually fared even or very slightly worse. So I found that surprising. Um, did you find that surprising, Sarah or Nate? No. No, <laughs> I think it's the staff shortages. I think people were like planning these big events, these big blowout trips for 2021 after COVID and, you know, COVID fears. But I think I think honestly more because I've, I've done a few articles and talked to people in the travel industry, not just yeah. from promo who are on the ground dealing with, you know, uh, vacation cancellations and rebookings and all that stuff. They know the ins and outs of all of the COVID policies everywhere. And they said, you know, it, it was it was less about people being scared of COVID. And it was more about the fact that you were not going to get a pre-COVID experience if you travel in 2021. You're not going to get that experience today in 2022 with the six-hour lines at airports, with the delayed flights and cancellations, with, you know, you don't get your room clean a hotel unless you were specially request it because they don't have enough staff. I mean, the lines to, to get in your hotel, the lines at restaurants, the lines at recreational facilities. I think people are just, again, and especially last year, they're really just waiting again to take these trips. And I think this year we're seeing the same thing. Hospitality cannot get a break. It's just, it's been a really rough time for them. Yeah, and never mind the fact that if you think about the sales to hospitality, right? What were they for? Well, a lot of them were for employees, yep. right? A lot of, you know, and if they were not for employees, they were for guests. There's less employees now, right? A lot of hotels in major areas never really even reopened. Like brands are being very, brands like Marriott and Hilton, if they had 30 hotels in an area, don't assume that all 30 of those are still open because they probably aren't. Even in cities that have a large tourist population or business population like New York, all of those hotels that used to be open aren't there anymore. So you actually had a level of the business that isn't even applicable anymore as it was in February of 2020. So that's also what's what's sort of impacting that industry pretty heavily. Well, I, I would be surprised if there isn't an improvement in 2022 from where from the numbers in 2020 and 2021, right? Is that 4.4 percent in 2020? 4.3% in 2021. I know corporate travel hasn't come all the way back, but leisure travel is, I mean, super hot right right now. And, and everybody is seems like they're traveling at least for vacation or for, for pleasure. So even though the hosp hospitality industry still has its challenges for sure, mm -hmm. I definitely think there are, are opportunities because there's, there's a lot of travel happening. Yeah. So, yeah I think uh, so driving and Airbnbs are really big right now. Honestly, yeah. the Airbnbs, you're not, you know, with anybody else. You don't have to deal with staff shortages. It's just you. People don't want to deal with airports. They're driving everywhere. That's yeah. where people are, are. And they're going to like the national parks because it's spread out and beautiful. And they don't have to deal with, you know, all of the staff shortages at all the resorts. Like they're, I think that's where the travel has shifted. I think it's not so much dependent on the hospitality industry right now. It's more DIY. And, that, and that's a good point, Sarah. Um, when we present this market data, it's it's the biggest picture, right? It's but within that, there are niches that are very viable and 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 definitely worth targeting. And it's on, I think it's incumbent on the distributor to figure out what what those niches are to to find for sure. A couple other interesting data things with markets: uh, government sales. This is for the large distributors, five, over five million in sales revenue. Um, just dr dropped dramatically. It was ten point seven percent in. 2020, 3.1% in 2021. I think PPE is a huge part of that. And of course, other governments spending as well. So that wasn't surprising to see. And then a, a positive sign, manufacturing, it was at 8% in 2019, and uh, it was 5.3% in 2020, and then right back to 8.1% in 2021. Um, it, interesting that even with the supply chain issues, that which, we, which one would think would impact manufacturing the most, um, still still had a very good year for, for promo sales. No, it did. I mean, the, the government thing wasn't a shock, right? That was That's a one-time, that is a one-time phenomenon. And if you were <laughs> a distributor that was lucky enough to have those contacts, kudos to you. I'm sure you went on a very nice vacation when you were allowed to. <laughs> um, manufacturing, on the other hand, no, it's, it, 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 it had a strong, very, very strong bounce back. Um, you know, it, it's still, it is a vital, vital part of our economy is manufacturing. So, you know what, there's supply, there's supply chain issues, but I've been on, you know, a few podcasts and webinars 
with leaders in our industry, product is there. Product, product is there and product is there beyond our, I mean, obviously there's shortages. You hear shortages of baby formula, right? Which are crucial for people that need it. And there's shortages of other things. There were shortages of, you know, toilet paper back during COVID. But like the thing is overall, the amount of products that are coming into and being created and produced within our overall economy is gigantic. There are, there is so much production. And that's one of the reasons that we have staff shortages, right? There's there's not enough workers to go around for everything that needs to be done. So that's what you're saying. But it's also coming across in these numbers in so much that it bounced back and it bounced back sharply to where it was pre-2020. Yeah, I was listening to a podcast uh, last week, and I, I'm going to mess up the number, but uh, it was with a, it was a New York Times podcast with a couple of economists. And the one said that, Yes, there's these these or these these port you know delays and and clogs, but the processing was like thirty percent more product than they were like a year ago or something like that. Something create something crazy. So, um, so yeah, I mean that, I, like like I said, I think the market data is very valuable. Please take time look look it over, and you can you can sort of create a story about why it dropped or why why it's worth targeting, and then do your due diligence to investigate it more and maybe find the opportunities within there. So just to just to wrap up, um, let's just talk about what what are, what are we expecting for the the rest of the year? What 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 are your expectations? And Nate, we'll start with you. What are your expectations for next year's edition of State of Industry? What's the story it's going to tell about this year, two thousand twenty-two? I think it'll I think it'll continue to be the story of recovery, barring something dramatically bad happening. And I don't think that that's going to happen. I think that at least in the U.S. and I, I think that most, unlike other countries like China, we've um, become, we, we're accustomed to living with some level of COVID, right? I don't see the seemingly draconian measures, if you think back to March and April of 20, that we saw coming back. So I think that the overall appetite for that is gone, um, and you're going to continue to see growth. Honestly, from a from an actual revenue perspective, I think 22 is going to be a strong year. Um, I think there's going to be less products that are going to be sold, but they're going to be sold at a significantly higher price point. Um, you know, we actually are right now looking at what Q2 sales were, and we'll have that out later on um, in the summer. But I, I really think it's, you know, and let's be clear, there's also fewer distributors that may be in our industry by by a percentage, right? Because there were people who retired. I think that's one of the things that happened and one of the causes of the staff. So a lot of people retired might have been on the verge. And I think you've seen that our industry is not immune to that by any means. So I think you're going to see overall you know, sales per distributor can continue to increase. And I think you're going to see, I hate to say it, I think you're going to see an overall increase in sales in 2022 when we're in, you know, as you put it, you know, Christmas in July, but I think you're going to. So I think you're going to see that. And as it relates to the SOI, um, I think you're going to see continued improvement in many of the measures from the lows that we experienced in 20. Great. Sarah, what do you think? I agree. I think um, I, I think things are gradually improving, uh, you know, incrementally, really glacially slow, but they are they are improving. Um, but like Nate mentioned, you know, we are going to see and variable pricing like you know we're finally getting to variable pricing in the promo industry you know um we're a little behind on that but uh, you know we're going to see products cost more because of increased cost across the board with staffing and raw materials and and the 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 freight it takes to get here and all of that it's going to increase costs and in, in products so we may see smaller orders but the items in the order will be at a higher price point so i do think that right now people are optimistic generally they are looking forward to the second half of the year they're already working on q4 which is like unheard of they're saying we've never worked this far ahead for q3 and q4 which is fantastic i love that for a promo i am all about that so um i i do think that the optimism is real um, I think, like Nate said, barring a huge drop in the economy, it's going to keep moving forward. Barring like draconian COVID restrictions again, it's going to keep moving forward. And I'm I'm just really, really hoping that in 2023, we will see a huge improvement in the supply chain and more staff on, on the ground helping suppliers get these orders out the door. Great. 
to, to sum up and something that I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, it's not a case that things are just great or things are just bad. It's a very complicated time, especially with the economy, especially with running a business. So there, there are so many encouraging things that I think people can really be hopeful about. But there's also these real challenges to, to, to deal with. And so balancing the two, fi- figuring out how, how to get where you want to go while dealing with them, that that's not going to be easy. Uh, again, we're going to be here here to help a counselor and ASI because you know we're we we're trying to unpack unpack these trends and just show you what what's important and how you can help navigate them. And so for our state of the industry package, again, you can find it. It's going to be on our website right now. It's out already in print. Um, Stateoftheindustry.com is the URL if you wanted to find it. And we'll, and there'll be again plenty of information about. Um, different trends, uh, lots of data. We have several infographics. We also have our top 40 uh, top forty rankings of the top 40 suppliers and distributors in the industry, and also our counselor award profiles of person of the year, international person of the year, entrepreneurs of the year, and so on. So a ton of, ton of great stuff to read um, and awesome work again from our entire staff, including Sarah and, and Nate. So th- thank you both for, for joining me today. Thanks, CJ. Can't wait to see you again, Siege. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully it will not be in another four weeks, Nate, for a podcast. Maybe, maybe we can, maybe we can push it off a few months. Would that be okay with you? Post Labor Day. Post Labor Day. <laughs> All right, let's book it. Not, not before our fancy, our fancy football draft. Is that, is that a good deal? Let's do it. I, I agree. <laughs> in person awesome. this year, by the way. In person. Yeah, I agree definitely. Well, th- thank you very much, everybody. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching, and have a great rest of your day. Thank you.